The following program is proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. More than 280 lives have been lost on New South Wales roads in the past 12 months. There were also 3.2 million fines worth almost $1 billion issued in New South Wales between December 20 and November 2021. Don't become the next statistic. Take your knowledge about road safety and road rules to the next level with 2MFM's new series. Road Safety in Focus. Airing every Wednesday on the AM Drive Time Show from 8am. Tune in via 92.1 FM, live stream on 2MFM.org or the 2MFM app on iOS and Android. Road Safety in Focus. Road Safety in Focus. It can be a momentary lapse of judgment or concentration, a second of distraction or inattention, a single miscalculation of distance or speed, a moment of frustration that leads you to overtake too quickly or turn at the wrong time, or a short trip down to the local shops while fatigued, and figuratively speaking, it's game over. All it takes is a single one of these split-second decisions or actions to change your life in ways you never imagined. A single decision or action that can take a life, either yours or somebody else's, or perhaps cause lifelong scars and permanent disability. It really doesn't take much more than a single moment, a single decision or a single action to turn your life, the lives of your loved ones, or the lives of people you've never met into a living nightmare. And nobody knows that more than the people who have had their lives unexpectedly turned upside down in a single moment through a single decision or a single action, including 40-year-old Rami Awad, who was at the young age of 17 involved in a horrific and almost deadly car crash that changed his life in ways he never anticipated and with consequences that have accompanied him until this very day. Today, and in an exclusive interview, he will relive the horrors of his ordeal to warn others against the tragic outcomes of unsafe driving behaviours. Coming up after the break is Rami's story. About half of the fatal crashes involved a driver or rider engaging in at least one of the identified unsafe road user behaviours of speeding, drink driving, drug driving, seatbelt non-usage or illegal mobile phone use. Think safe, drive safe, arrive safe. Yeah. 
My name is Rami Awad. Um, I'm 40 years old. How long ago did the accident happen? 1998, so about 24 years now. Mm-hmm. And what kind of accident was it? Car crash, motor vehicle accident. And were you the driver or a passenger? No, I was a passenger. Okay, now, do you remember the details of the accident, as in what happened in the lead-up to the crash at all? <sighs> Bits and pieces. Um, the lead-up to it, I was the only passenger. There was another two boys with us. So it was the driver, me, and two other boys. So four of us were in the car. And, yeah, it was it just out of nowhere. It just sort of happened, and we got into a car, and it was the driver's uh, father's car. He just had it for about two, three days, and... And where we ended up is just still, I can't sort of fathom how we ended up where we ended up. And But alhamdulillah, like you said, everything happens for a reason. And and yeah, I just, I don't recall 100%, not yeah. even like 50%, but what I've been told, it was on 15th Avenue up there towards um, Hoxton Park and it's all like that. That road's all like narrow and it was all gravel on the sides. Mm. And so on the slightest mishap, that's it, you're going to lose control if you're speeding. And apparently the driver was trying to overtake... Uh, some truck or something like that oh, and then right. he's on the wrong side of the road so it's one lane each direction only apparently he's seen oncoming headlights it was probably about seven eight hundred meters away he still had plenty of time to either speed up and jump in front or slow down and and you know, stay behind the truck apparently he panicked or something he sped up too fast and just lost control and into mm. a power pole so that accident happened at night yeah and how old was the driver at the time? Um, he would have been my age too, he would have been 17. 17 years yeah. old, so he would have only been a new driver. Yeah. So I think inexperience came That's into right, play. Yeah. He only, I think he only had his piece for two or three weeks at the time. And what happened to the other passengers in the car? The driver lost his leg. One of my mates sitting behind him, he broke his leg. He had to have a pin inserted and that was in there for about three months or so before they removed it and the uh, one behind me not a scratch subhanallah so you see the car you think it was a bomb that exploded you know, not a, it wasn't a car accident and for anyone to survive that it's just subhanallah it's, it was amazing was that a head-on collision or a t-bone no he just lost control and he's gone into a telegraph pole telegraph poles literally nearly cut the car in half so by the end of it the telegraph pole was pretty much coming out of the center of the car so where the gearbox is it just it's like another metre or so, it would have literally cut the car in half. So, Rami, what's the next memory you have after the crash? Obviously, your recollections of what happened in the lead-up to the crash are a little bit foggy, yep. understandably. But what's the next memory that you have waking up after that accident? Um, I was probably waking up about three weeks later in hospital, in intensive care. I was in a coma for about two and a half weeks or so. so. Wow. Yeah. That long? After that, I spent a good six months in hospital. So was it because they put you in an induced coma or was it... It was, um, I was knocked out at first, but then for them to operate, no, they had to make sure I was knocked out because I had a head injury and I had severe third degree burns to both legs. So yeah, I was pretty much in the coma for, you know, the operations they were doing and that and in putting in induced coma and then, yeah, but at the start, news went out to everyone, I had a couple of hours to live and that's it. And I had one of my relatives, he's gone and... All the whole family, I'll come say goodbye to Rami, he's not going to have long to live. And then we got through that. And then the um, doctor said, oh, 
we'll give him another 24 hours. 24 hours passed as well, alhamdulillah, got through that. And so they were still weren't confident. And then um, they go 48 hours, we'll give him another 48 hours. And, you know, we don't think he's going to make it. We, they had no confidence at all. Subhanallah, and by the grace of God, you pulled through. Yeah, got through the 48 hours, and then um, they still, they go, listen, he's either going to die, or he's just going to wake up, he's going to be, he's just going to be a vegetable, like total memory loss, he's not going to be all there. That's amazing. So you spent about two and a half to three weeks in a coma. Yeah. How long did you stay in hospital after you woke up? Six months. Six months. Yeah. So you can imagine that, like, you go in there just for a single appointment for an hour as an appointment at the hospital and people you can't stand there. Imagine being in there for six months. Yeah, I can't imagine. You mentioned that the extent of your injuries was quite severe. How many operations or surgical procedures did you have to undergo? I had oh, multiple. I've lost count. Like, I'm used to them now. Every time they, <laughs> I still go back and forth now in for whatever surgeries I've got to take. People was like, you know, scared. you look so comfortable. I'm used to them. I've had so many. Yeah, I had uh, multiple skin grafts for the skin burns. Because um, I had the head injury, I had a piece of bone. So I had a pretty much massive hole in my head for a good five months or so of the cells in the hospital. So, and because that's why, so once I operated on my head, I had a blood clot in my head that I had to um, clear that first. I was, that was the most thing I worried about. And because my burn, my legs were so badly burnt, they were scared of the infection that it may cause to my head. So they couldn't go and mm. put the, the cranio, they call it the cranioplasty back. It's another piece of bone just to cover the head. So they go, yeah, they needed to treat my legs first and foremost before they can operate on my head again. So most of the time in there was to sort of treat the burns in my legs and and yeah that was what an experience like I don't wish I'd add upon anyone. Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah. Now Rami, what kind of questions or thoughts did you have after waking up and realizing the extent of your injuries? I mean we all have something that we're thinking about when we realize what kind of predicament we're in. Well, to be honest with you, when I first woke up I actually thought it was just something small, something major. I didn't even know it was because I had like a, both my legs from where the burns, they had like a gauze there which they used to dip into betadine just to what's that, wrap it around my legs and they used to get the cling wrap, wrap that around there just so, it can, so the skin can soak that in. And then they put the cast over both legs, so they were both covered. And my head, I hadn't seen the, apparently when I was in intensive care, I had friends and they used to come and they used to break down or they used to run out scared. I had, my eye apparently was massive like this and just the swelling was just not normal. So when I've come out, the first time I'd seen myself, I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't know I had a massive hole in my head. And I was just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just sort of scratching. I think, what's this here? What's going on? My head doesn't feel normal. And I remember telling, um, I think it was my mum or my sister, it would have been my mum, I think. I go, what's wrong with my head? And they're trying to, you know, oh, nothing, nothing, it's all good. It's just uh, something minor you got to have. Um, I don't know, they just use some excuse. I go, what's wrong with my head? I go, give me a mirror, I want to sit. And they were refusing to give me a mirror. And then I ended up, after forcing them and that, I looked at it and I just looked at it. I just started to tear up and I just I pegged the mirror and I just prayed. I just the way I seen myself it was scary. Wow! So I, I still had the swelling. I had a massive hole in my head and and it was just it wasn't me. And you said you didn't realize the extent of your injuries. You thought it was something small. I mean, I would have thought with injuries like that, the pain in itself would have been telling enough. The pain. Another thing, it just reminded me. Um, my mum didn't even know about my legs. Apparently, she thought like maybe bruises and scratches, minor fractures. So every time they used to take me into bath, me, I used to scream like because you know I'd go in there and they'd unwrap everything and and the water hitting those burned legs. And I was apparently I was in so much pain, I was yelling and. 
asking for my mum. My mum's always thinking, why is he crying so much every time they go, you know, he takes a shower. So there was one day where she goes, I want to go in with my son. And they wouldn't let her. She goes, I want to go in. And I, I wanted her in there with me. And then when they unwrapped my legs and she seen that, she just flipped it. She couldn't believe it. She started to cry. She broke down as well. She didn't know it was, she thought it was just you know, little abrasions or scratches. And to see that, because they were like horrific at the time, they were horrific, like you can imagine. Wow. Obviously, Rami, you would have been going through your own trauma at the time and trying to deal with your own emotions. But what was it like also seeing what your family was going through? as you were struggling with all of that? It was hard. Like, at the time, I sort of, like I said, I recall most of it, but now it's, like, when after I come out and after, you know, recovered and whatnot, my sisters used to tell me stories about what had happened in there and, and they were stories that bring me to tears too. Like, my dad, he'd walk up and down the corridor, apparently that was when I was in a coma when they'd give me no chance to survive and, and they used to tell me the way he used to act and he was always walking up and down the corridor and just crying and came to himself and he's talking to himself please wake up dad please wake up who's gonna help me out you know at work who's gonna stay with me who's gonna stand by my side and and you can imagine seeing your, your dad or your mom going through that it'll just break your heart absolutely so you spent six months in hospital and you obviously underwent some grueling treatments you underwent a lot of surgeries what kind of challenges did you experience as you were going through all those treatments mentally physically emotionally what kind of toll did that take on you physically it wore me out i'll tell you now mentally it's again same thing and emotionally like it's it's always on the back of your mind and why i actually when i was in hospital i gave up couldn't see myself getting out of hospital i just couldn't the condition and the state that i was in i could not see it i had to learn to stand up again let alone walk and i had to learn to stand up on my own two feet again and then take step by step like a baby and thinking to myself, I'm not, I'm not going to get out of hospital, I can't, like, it's, it's like, I can't do it, it was just that bad. And Were there ever times when you felt like you just wanted to give up and just succumb to whatever you had been dealt? And It got to that, I got, that's it, you know, that's my thing. And I, when I first seen, um, going back to when I first seen myself in the mirror and I picked the mirror and that, and my, so my mum and that were by my side, like, what would you do that for? And then I just go, I, I, the first thing I was thinking about was, because the accident happened pretty much, we finished school, we've had our year 12 formal, and then um, it was two days after that, so I was supposed to start uni or, you know, just mm-hmm. start my career. And and in the end, I just, I was in hospitals. And I've gone, and I always used to think, that the only thing I used to dream about was just wanted my own family, wanted, you know, wanted to get married, wanted the kids, and that's not like, you know, any other bloke's dream, oh, wants a top job, wants a, the best car, sports car, wants to go travel, wants money. No, mine was just to have my family and that's it. And, and when I see myself the way I was, I just pegged them my arms, like, oh, what, what's wrong? Like, look at me, like, look at me. Who's, who's going to marry me now? Wow. And she's they're, they're trying to make it easy on you. Like, look at the side I was, yeah, it was just, it was horrific. And So in a sense, it shattered your future plans? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. How far have you come since that accident? Obviously, you went through numerous procedures. You spent a long time in hospital. Even after leaving hospital, you were going back and forth for treatments and follow-ups yeah. and all sorts of things. How much of an advancement have you made since then? I've come far, but like I said, it's still... A couple of years ago, I had a surgery on my leg. I had I'd done a tendon transfer because I had a foot drop. Where it's just, my nerve, it's uh, the perineal nerve, the one that uh, makes you, you know, helps you flex your foot. Yeah. That was uh, damaged due to the burns and that. So I was always wearing an AFO on my leg, like a, a mini brace sort of thing, just to keep my mm. foot up to help me walk. And I've done a tendon transfer so I can do without that um, brace. And alhamdulillah, that went all good. And only was only, what, 
about six months ago, seven months ago, I've done a knee replacement, full knee replacement on my knee too. It's due to the burns and that scar tissue. And, and I don't even think that was successful. I'm still like in a bit of pain in that, but that is what it is. And Are you actually able to drive? Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's just uh, walking distances, not being able to run. I used to play footy too. That was another thing I used to love doing, playing rugby league. And I actually thought I'd, I'd be playing for a long time, and but it wasn't the case uh, to sort of compensate for that. When I had my son... Turned six years old, I had him in under sixes all the way through and I was coaching his side just to sort of stay involved in it. And so it wasn't a matter of giving up on your future dreams, it was just having to amend them. Amend them, yeah, sort of, yeah, that's it. Just sort of, yeah. you, know, you give up on certain things. Mm. Like, you know, now that you can't do no more, you can't reach them, but alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, like I said, it does damage you big time, it destroys you, but that's when you go back to sort of that iman, having the faith in there and... I was humbled. I was able to go to, uh, perform Hajj in 2011, and they're the main dreams. They're the main things you want to accomplish, and alhamdulillah, still got to accomplish. Alhamdulillah, and look, it may have shattered you in some ways, and it may have devastated your life in some ways. But I think when you look at the fact that you are a survivor, you did survive, you did pull through, despite all the odds that you were given. This is a blessing that you still have a life that you can continue and to spend with your loved ones. Alhamdulillah, yeah, 100%, yeah. An opportunity that a lot of other people aren't given. That's right. You know, you'd, you'd wish things were a lot different, obviously, but, you know, that's what you've been given. And alhamdulillah, look, I've got burns to both my legs and I limp when I walk or it's painful. It's always, I'm always in pain, but then I think... You know, there's people without legs. You know, people have to have amputations. And I've still got my legs. I've still got you know, my health. Not as good as I'd like it to be, but alhamdulillah. You know, That's so. an amazing perspective to have, by the way. It takes courage and it takes strength to look at things from that way after everything you've been through. So I commend you for your strength. And definitely everything that you've been through has, I guess, taught you some things about yourself as well about your own strength that is something that you probably didn't think you had. That's right. So how long did it actually take you to get back into a car after that accident? How long did it take me? It wasn't that long, but I was the only person I would trust jumping in the car with was my dad. There was a few times where I jumped in with mates and that early on and, and and if they were to speed just a little, and we're doing this with their like 10, 15 kilometers under the speed limit, but I got slowed down. And it took me a while to sort of adjust to that. Then for me to get behind the, then it was sort of a case of I don't trust anyone else but myself now when I was able to get behind the wheel again. Yeah, because you were in control then. Yeah, that's right. Now, Rami, you mentioned that the accident did divert some of your plans for your life, including your ambitions to play football. What other changes did you have to make to your life plans in terms of perhaps your career? Was it something that you wanted to do in terms of a career that you had to change because now it wasn't possible given your condition? Well, at the time, yeah, I wanted to do I wanted to become an electrician at first. And that, obviously, that, I couldn't do that no more. And then I'm, I still had like ambitions to actually become an accountant as well. And that was actually my main goal before, you know, I would go to uni and just do that. And then that what had happened, I've gone straight from school to hospital instead of straight from school to uni or, you know, work. So, and then when I got out of hospital, when I was discharged, I was like at home for about two, three weeks and I just couldn't bear it. And I, I wanted to do something. I, like, I can't take this, you know. It's, so I went and enrolled myself at Liverpool College there just to do an accounting course. And mm-hmm. I sat through that and I've done probably about three weeks. 
and I couldn't cope. My legs were still like from the burns, and it was itchy, and you just I could didn't have the concentration, wasn't able to concentrate, and and it was long hours too. I was doing so I was doing like I think it was three four days a week at, at Liberal College or that, and it's in big hours. So I couldn't take it enough. You know, yeah, it's I'm probably too soon. I've gone back. I need to have a break. So I got to myself. I'll just have the rest of this year off, and then just do something that's a bit simpler after that. And then, yeah, I had a bit of a break. I had a few months off, went back and enrolled myself. I'd done a certificate-free uh, in small business management course, completed that, so, yeah. That's yeah, great. And, yeah, just to sort of keep myself busy and then just went overseas for a bit. I had doctor's appointments left, right and centre. And but you would obviously need something. You would need a distraction of sorts from everything that you're going yeah. through on a personal level, from all your pain and injuries and the treatments and the hospitals and all yeah. that. So I think that helped to keep you mentally stable during that yeah. time. Rami, how often do you relive the events of that accident? I know a lot of people say, you know, after an accident, they kind of have night terrors about mm. the events that they've well, been through. To be honest with you, I maybe early on at the start, I just had here and there, but then I, I was with a mate probably about... Uh, Three, four months after that, and he came past, and um, I got to take me to the side where we think he's not used to And he was more scared than me. That's the bloke that um, didn't cop nothing. He we got out without a scratch. And he goes, are you sure, man? I go, yeah, just take me. I want to go see it. That's not a big deal. Well, I didn't sort of have any fears. I went there. We just seen it. You could still the color was of the car was uh, red, and you could still see all red marks all over the pole. Like a good probably six, seven metres up, so I don't know if the car had jumped or something when it, when it hit it, and it was a massive pole too, you think, you know, like, when we seen those photos of the car, you look at the car, you think, what the hell, how did this car become like that? So you stood in that position and looked at, you know, the site of the crash that did all of that to you. You had no... It was normal. Wow. It was normal. Wow. Like I said, the only fears I had at the start was just jumping in the car at the start, it was just that was sort of my biggest fear, and then after that, yeah, it was just, it became normal, and... Rami, knowing what you know now, if you could go back to the day of the accident, what would you have done differently? Not jump in the car. <laughs> yeah, not jump in the car at all. See, I was at home all day that day. What had happened was we hired a van. Now, I was planning on hiring a, a sports car and going down, me and my mate, and, you know, just going down to the... It was in the city, the formal, and going down like that. And then I had all friends and that. They wanted to hire a van and... Seven, eight boys, I'll go, I'll, I've already got plans. Because they all wanted me to drive. They, they don't trust anyone but me. They go, come on, man, it would be better and this, is and that. And most of their parents, they know me too. They go, if Rami's not going to drive, you can't go down any other way. So I thought, you know, I just feel sorry for him. And I go, listen, I go, if one of your parents is willing to hire the van for us because we were underage to hire a van, I go, if one of your parents is willing to take on the responsibility, yeah, but I'm not going to give that responsibility to my parents, you know. And then when we went to hire the van... We've come back, and then, so the father's driving the van back, and his son was driving the car, and he's pulled off to the side. He told his son, jump out. He goes, Rami, jump out and drive. He didn't trust his own son. He, he wanted me to drive. And I've gone to the formal, and then on the way back, we finished the formal. We've gone to Bondi. It was pretty hot that day too. Went to Bondi. Some of us said they brought a change of clothes with us, and we were having the beach about 2 o'clock in the morning. And then when I come home, I'm dropping every single person off home. One of the boys jumping out. He's got to his doorstep. I go, and I'm calling him back. I go, you've forgotten your, your shoes. He goes, I thought I'll come past next time. Let's pick it up. And then that's the day he came over to, um, to, he pick, came up over his to shoes. pick up his shoes. So he wasn't the driver, but he came up to pick up his shoes. And I was at home watching the cricket all day that day. It was a test match cricket. 
And I said, and my parents had gone out, you know, they know how much into my sport I was, and they so they go, yeah, he's watching cricket, and and then that bloke called the bloke that got his parents to hire the car for us. He's all, oh, what are you doing? We go, oh, nothing, man. I got put to name such and such over. I hung up with him, and then um, my wife goes, he goes, who was that? I goes, uh, that bloke. He goes, what do you want? I go, oh, he just wanted me to come over. He goes, yeah, well, go, go. It's all right. I'm, I'm leaving. I go, no, let's stay here. He goes, no, just go. If, if he's asking you, I go, no, it's forget about it. And then I go, I can't go anywhere. My parents have got the car, and I have got no car. I, go, I can't get there. He goes, how, how do you want you to get there? I go, he wanted you to drop me off. He's come. I'll go drop you off, and I'll sit with you for a bit there. And he talked me into it, and that's how it happened. That's we went there and. Thanks. And yeah, and then I wanted to go back home. Like my mate was leaving, so I go, yeah, just drop me off home. And he goes, oh, no, stay that car that um, we had the accident in. His dad only picked it up the day before. He goes, oh, stay, stay, I'll, I'll drop you off. You know, I want to I drive the new car. We've gone, and then he just, instead of turning left out of my house, he's turned right. I go, where are you going? He goes, oh, I'll go pick up such and such. I go, you're literally three minutes away, five minutes away from my house, and you want to take people on drivers and that with you now? Yeah, and he's picked up him, and then he's gone and picked up another bloke, and... That's where I sort of, I don't know how we ended up where we were after that. All your fates were linked yeah, yeah. on that I day, remember, yeah. at that time. There had been no previous plans to That's go a, on like that drive. If you go back to my mate when I dropped him off after that formal day, if he had come back when I called him, come get, take your shoes, had he have taken his shoes, subhanAllah, it would have. The fact that the shoes stayed in the van, I ended up in the car accident. It's so amazing it's, yeah, how a sequence of events, yeah, you can backtrack at which point that everything started yeah, to turn around, basically. 100%. Absolutely amazing. Now, Rami, after what you have been through, what message or advice would you give to young drivers? Same message everyone's trying to get across because, uh, like, to be honest with you, it's, I see it a lot and I've seen a lot of accidents and I've had a lot of accidents and fatal ones too or ones that have caused major injury in that. And it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Believe me, it's not worth it. The fun isn't in driving a car like a hoon. The fun is, is driving a car to get to where you want to get to, and that's it. In a safe manner, it's, it's not about speeding. It's not about showing off. It's not about... Because where you get to, like, what I've been through, I, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. The driver himself sustained injuries in that accident, and he's got... He lost, he lost a leg, yeah. He lost a leg, and obviously he would have felt terrible after that accident being the driver and having caused injury That's not right. just to himself but to some of the passengers in the car. What was his mental state after the accident? I don't talk to him anymore. I was good, still good friends with him after that, but then things were said and mm. after that he was just normal and seeing me the way I was. And Obviously at the start they were all distressed, you know, they were major, especially his parents were more in distress than him. Like they thought, you know, that, you know, his son's uh, has caused a fatal accident and they thought that's when everyone thought I was gonna die and they were coming around more than more than their son. They were coming to the hospital visiting me more than their son as well and I know like for so many young people, for them it's a moment of fun. They want a street race. They want to push their car to the limits. They want to show off in front of their friends. They want to take that phone call while they're driving or reply to that text while they're driving. And it's that single moment, that single lapse of judgment. That's, that's what it is, yeah. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. And it changes not just their lives. But Everyone, yeah, yeah. How many families and individuals yeah, were impacted right. by one accident? That's right. There was four of us in the car. So that's four families, and and then you got you know that's the immediate families, and then you got the extended, and then friends, and then you know it's just it just has a flow-on effect. Yeah, just a flow-on effect, yeah. How is your family coping with this? So many years after the accident, have they gotten over it? Is it something that they still 
you know, recall and recollect. And My mum's still scared now of jumping in the car. She's always 24. She's not the person you want to have with you. She's always jumpy and she's always, yeah. But Can't blame her, Yeah, to be honest, because after something like that and nearly losing a son. Well, I'm so happy that you've come this far, Rami. Obviously, you, you really have come a long way and you have endured what would probably break a lot of people. So congratulations, and I wish you the very best. And thank you so much for sharing your story. No worries. If it helps uh, keep other people's eyes or younger kids' eyes open, it's, like I said, the fun is not in speeding. And and like you said, it's just that one lapse that changes so many lives. About half of the fatal crashes involved a driver or rider engaging in at least one of the identified unsafe road user behaviours of speeding, drink driving, drug driving, seatbelt non-usage or illegal mobile phone use. Think safe, drive safe, arrive safe.